overwhelmed, Bretto. It is perhaps the number one challenge our Wellness Couch listeners face. It's also the number one reason why many listeners can't get to our live events. Well, we have listened to our listeners and we are putting on our first online event, Release Your Overwhelm. So exciting, MP. Put Saturday, November 23 in the calendar. Log in from your phone or your TV or your laptop anywhere in the world and tune in to... Kim Morrison. Brett Hill. Marcus Pierce, Wendy Stewart. And Jason Witten. Release your overwhelm about time, relationships, money, your body, and most importantly, you. Access is just $10 and available at releaseyouroverwhelm.com. Book in now at releaseyouroverwhelm.com. The Real Food Reel is proudly sponsored by LCHF Endurance. Stabilize your blood sugar, burn fat, decrease inflammation and become fat adapted in just 12 weeks. I'm so excited to share with you that LCHF Endurance is currently 50% off for a limited time only. Simply use the code LCHFE50 to sample the program Check out the kind of meals you'll get to eat and cancel within seven days if it's not your sugar-free jam. Head to lchfendurance.com.au and use the code LCHFE50 for 50% off your upfront program payment today. Welcome to The Real Food Real. I'm Steph Lowe, the natural nutritionist. We're shaking things up on the podcast, and each week I am joined by our cast of experts, including Kirsty Worth, Phil Maffetone, Kale Brock, Ali McLean, Katie Pettuccini, and so many more leaders in the fields of real food, gut health, sports performance, holistic wellness, and optimizing your health, metabolism, and longevity. While you're tuning into today's episode, Would you take a screenshot of your smartphone and share it on social media with the hashtag RealFoodReal? I'd absolutely love to know that you're tuning in. And while you're there, why not share this episode with a friend who also needs to hear our information goldmines and aha moments. Sharing the show means we can continue our mission of simplifying nutrition and showing the world that health starts with what you choose to put on your plate. Without further ado, let's dive into this week's episode of The Real Food Real. In today's episode of The Real Food Real, we are joined by Dr. Damien Christoph to take a closer look at isogenics and more specifically, their meal replacement shake. Damo and I explore ingredients including whey protein concentrate, milk protein concentrate and fructose and how we simply can't compare this fructose to that found in fruit. You will learn about label reading, how to avoid greenwashing, why we don't believe that this particular product can be considered real food and so much more. Hello Damo and welcome back to the show. Oh, thanks so much for having me again Steph. I, I thoroughly enjoy this and I look forward to it every single time you invite me on. So thanks for your generosity again and thanks for having me share. Yeah, looking forward to this topic. Um, It's actually an extension of 
a conversation we've had recently and it came off the back of some feedback that we had from one of our listeners. Now, I'm always very grateful to receive feedback emails and I wanted to explore it with you because it was referring to a comment that you made about isogenics containing chemicals and the feedback was that this was quite incorrect and that it's actually a system that's based around real food. So I really wanted to explore this and, you know, meal replacements in general so that we can unpack some of the myths and misconceptions and I guess, you know, land on what our opinion is about these systems. So can we just talk firstly about some of the ingredients that we see in the Isoline products and um, what your thoughts are on, say, the, the first couple of ingredients, which we know are, you know, the bulk of the product. Yeah, for sure. Steph, I feel like I've just been told off. I feel like I'm in trouble. But <laughs> can I just, I'll just speak to that just for a sec. Mm-hmm. Um, the word chemical can imply um, a, good, a bad thing, um, of course. So you think of chemicals and you think of the, you know, jumping into a spray suit or jumping into a shower and washing it off your body. And, um, and so chemicals does sound harsh. Um, it sounds like it's bad. But a B vitamin, for example, is a chemical. Um, adrenaline in your body is a chemical. It's just termed as, you know, something different. So I can't actually recall my, my exact words that I used and sometimes what you hear and what you say or what people hear and what you say can be either misconstrued or misunderstood but um, I would like to just reiterate where a lot of these um, nutrients do come from. Um, they come from um, from chemicals. They actually come from the petrochemical industry and they're broken down to become and then recreated into a vitamin um, and so on and so forth. So you're right. We need to explore this. We need to, you know, just take a look at it. And yes, I did actually mention um, a company's name um, in that last in that last interview that we did. That this has actually come up from. Um, so let's just go through those ingredients and just break it all down for everybody so that they can actually see it for what it really is. So um, here we go. Hey, <laughs> here we go. Here well, we yeah, go. I, think, I think it's important to look at the nutritional panel because that's where we all need to be really savvy to understand what we're consuming, you know, regardless of whether it's this particular product that we're talking about or anything that goes in our shopping basket, there's a lot of knowledge that can be obtained from learning how to read labels. And so when we look at the first ingredient, it's going to be the ingredient that bulks, that makes up the bulk of the product, as I said. And so in this example, we're looking at a combination of a whey protein concentrate, milk protein concentrate, and what is low heat non-fat milk powder. And so this mm-hmm. product is, is, you know, usually promoted as being a, a protein-based product when if we look at the nutritional information, it's actually running at about 40% protein. So I have That's a bit that, of an issue yeah. with that. Yeah. Yeah, me too. But can we just look at that because it, it's, um, it's called exclusive myo <laughs> isoline complex. So that myo implies muscle or protein, isoline, obviously iso coming from the company, and then lean coming from the word to help you uh, lose weight. So there's an implied um, function of just in the name of it. So it's going to build muscle and make you lean. That's what it makes it sound like. Um, and it's made from three different types of powders. One is whey protein concentrate, uh, which you, both you and I know is probably the one of the lower common denominator um, protein 
forms that you would use in a high quality protein powder. Yeah, well, I think that's the, fair to say. It's gonna, it comes from milk, obviously. Just to clarify, um, yeah. Go on. But that's that's whey, like that's a whey protein concentrate. So it's it's not isolated; it's just exactly. concentrated. In other words, it may still have lactose in it. It may still have casein in it. It may still, which is a you know, potentially, if it comes from, um, you know, the wrong sort of cows, it may actually have a pro-diabetic, you know, issue associated mm-hmm. with it. So let's not go down that rabbit hole, but. Um, there is conversation around whether or not um, some of these proteins that are meant to not be in there. It's, it's not declared that casein's in there, but it, it says that it's a whey protein concentrate. So it doesn't mean it's isolated. Then it says milk protein concentrate. So that could just be casein, like because it doesn't actually tell you what the protein is. So it's just a milk protein concentrate. So maybe what we've got here is a whey protein concentrate, which could have casein, which is the cheaper version of protein plus some lactose in it, um, plus it'll have the milk protein concentrate, which is likely just to be casein. Otherwise, they would have called it whey. Um, if it was going to be whey um, and it was still going to be a concentrate, then it would have just been kept in the whey protein concentrate bucket. Um, so my suspicion is that it's actually just milk protein or casein concentrate, um, which would possibly also mean it's got some lactose, maybe a little bit of whey, um, but primarily it's going to be casein, which is cheap. Yeah, and definitely. then low heat, yeah, low heat non-fat milk powder. You know, excuse me for thinking a little bit negatively here, but that sounds to me like it's just milk powder that you put into your coffee when you go camping. Like that's what that sounds like it is to me. So that's what I'm thinking. You know what I mean? I can't even when I, and I, I just think about the quality. You know, we all know that when we're looking at anything that comes from an animal, our, our number one decision is to understand what the farming practices look like, what the sustainability um, is, you know, what the animals are being fed, how they're being treated. And so that's why when, if you are ever going to be consuming a whey protein, one, it would be uh, grass from grass fed um, animals. And two, it's the isolate. So in the whey protein isolate pure protein powders, we're getting, you know, 86 or 90% protein. And this is Mm -hmm. less than 40. So way less than half. Yeah, and of not good quality protein. Like we're not talking premium quality protein here, but and the number one ingredient, uh, which is fifty percent of the whole of the tub, is a, a poor quality protein. Now, those people that are using this particular product product have probably been told that it's the best, it's the most sustainably sourced, it's ethical. You know, all of the label claims that you could ever imagine um, would have been thrown at this particular combination here, but. Just looking at those words, it's hard to verify that. Now, maybe we we could do some further investigation or maybe someone could provide us with some further information that helps us understand why this is actually a good quality protein supplement. Because at this point in time, I'm not buying it. Well, I agree with you. I'm very open-minded and I'm, 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 you know, open to learning more about this product, but it is completely impossible to find any more information than what you and I have been able to obtain via our virtual searches. So yeah, let's get some more information from anyone that wants us to be aware of like any, you know, um, I guess, contras to our current conversation. Yeah. So let's go to the second ingredient. The second most abundant ingredient, bearing in mind that the largest amount of an ingredient in this product is 50.8%. So let's say 51%. The next biggest quantity in terms of ingredient is fructose. Mm. Now, that's 
a concern to me, Steph. I mean, we're all very aware of um, the issues associated with fructose. You think about all those people that have um, irritable bowel or a, a FODMAP issue or a, you know, an inability to digest fructose um, or a malabsorption um, issue uh, with fructose, and that's in itself just a problem. So from a gut health perspective, alarm bells go off for me. The second alarm bell that goes off for me, it's not disclosed where that fructose comes from. And my suspicion, and this is just an assumption because it's not actually, we're not told where it's from. My suspicion is that it's not coming from um, an apple. Um, my suspicion is also it's right. not coming from <laughs> strawberries or bananas. <laughs> it's highly likely, highly likely, and I, I can't prove it just looking at this information here because it's pretty scant on the information. It's not very well disclosed where it's from. Um, I reckon it's probably from high fructose corn syrup. That's, I'm just going to put it out there. Wow. Given that this company is an American company, um, it's highly likely that that ingredient um, is being used in the manufacture of this particular supplement being manufactured overseas. Um, if it's not being manufactured overseas and it's not high fructose, high fructose corn syrup, which high fructose corn syrup comes from genetically modified um, maize or starch or maize um, or corn, um, and then it's highly refined and then the sugar's taken out and, and that's what we've got. So it, it could then be coming from um, another source, which may be wheat. Um, but either way, like wheat or corn as a source of sugar, um, I, I just don't think is that good. And particularly just, you know, a high fructose version of that, of that sugar is not good, in my opinion. Yeah, and I think one of the arguments that we often hear coming from someone who supports such a product is that fructose is in fruit, so it's healthy. Like we just can't make those correlations without really understanding no. where the fructose comes from um, because, mm. of course, if you had a small apple, there would be a small amount of fructose. And one of the marketing claims that I see often being used in this situation is that it contains I think the words are less fructose than an apple and so we're trying to make it look like a piece of fruit when in fact it's completely a completely different source and you know of course doesn't have all the other ingredients and the specific fiber within a fruit and then the second it's a big lie. that's actually a massive lie Steph because mm. what's the like fruit I'm pretty sure an apple from memory is about 6 or 8% sugar like there's obviously high carbohydrate in there because of the fiber but I'm pretty sure it's somewhere between six and eight, maybe at the most it's going to be 10% sugar. Mm. But if we look at the amount of sugar that's in this particular product, the, on the nutrition label it says that there's 18 grams of sugar, which is 18%. So we're talking 18% sugar um, versus an apple with all of the other naturally occurring nutrients in there plus fiber plus everything, water plus everything else that an apple would give to you, the other vitamins. Um, at say somewhere between six and ten percent there's a big difference there there is a big difference and you know one of the magic numbers that i always speak about is choosing products that are less than eight percent sugar and so we're lucky in australia where everything needs to have that 100 gram column so it's really easy for us to work out like you said 18 grams of sugar is 18 percent sugar in this 100 gram scenario so it's you know it's more than double what we really should be consuming and so that's a big concern when we also understand that in a lot of these systems, <laughs> there's not just one serve a day, there's multiple serves a day. And so if we start to add up how much sugar is, that is totally blowing the budget well over our recommended daily intake. 
Oh yeah, hundred percent. So you'd have to think that you'd have to think that the amount of that powder or fructose that goes into this particular mix um, is going to be around about eighteen grams of fructose powder going into this hundred grams. Mm-hmm. Because think about this one, Steph. We've got we've got fifty one, or let's say yeah, say fifty one percent or fifty one grams of the protein going into the bucket, and then we've got let's say it's eighteen grams of ingredients coming from sugar now going into the bucket we're now looking at um, 69 grams now of that remaining 31 grams um, of ingredient has got to come all of the following ingredients now you and i have both made chocolate brownie or something with um, cacao Mm -hmm. now let's make a difference like there's a distinction here between coca Mm. powder and cacao powder very very different Absolutely. And this one here is coca powder. So that's a highly processed, very sweet um, powder um, that you use for drinking chocolate. Basically, you'd make hot chocolate out of it um, and it's it's sweet. Like you can make chocolate crackles. You can do all those sorts of things with <laughs> coca powder. Um, but that's not cacao. So we're not putting like a teaspoon or half a teaspoon of cacao in there to get some kind of chocolate you know, flavor through. We're putting cacao, cocoa, cocoa powder in this and um and that's a very different thing so it's again highly processed um it'll have some kind of um agents in that particular thing to keep it separated um so it's you know it's allowed to be mixed very easily um and 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 again i think this label doesn't give us enough information to understand what's in that coca powder because it's not just going to be it's not cacao like people might be led to believe because it sounds right it sounds the same it's not the same well, we know that cacao is such a beautiful source of antioxidants and, you know, magnesium. It's very nutrient-dense. And, um, yeah, this is not the same. <laughs> this is highly refined and relatively yeah. nutrient-poor. And, and we see that. It's always that inverse relationship. The higher the processing, the lower the nutrients. So the cocoa yeah. powder um, is unfortunately not going to be something that is, you know, third in line here. So, um it's not really going to be providing us with the nutrients that we want our food to be providing us. Nope, nope, not at all, not at all. So it's not winning for me so far, so far. And we're left with like less than 30% or 35% of ingredients to try and win us over, Steph. Um, the next ingredient is something called isomalto oligosaccharide. <sighs> Just gotta take a breath because it's such a big word. Um, I don't know where that grows on trees. I'm not sure if it grows underground in carrots or potatoes or where it comes from. But isomalto oligosaccharides basically means it's a fermentable sugar um, made from isomalt, which is a again a sweetener which is chemically derived. Um, it's not something that just naturally occurs. It's it's something that's definitely been produced. It's been created, um, and then. For those people who suffer from FODMAPs, you, we've spoken about fructose already and now we've got um, oligosaccharides in there as well. So we've got the fructose, which is the first part of FOD, oh, that we've got fermentable, oligo, di, mono, and polyol is what FODMAP stands for. So we've got we've got this whole bundle of fermentable issues starting to take place here. So we're seeing it already. We're, now we're down to the fifth ingredient. So... I don't really feel good about that. It's an inert sugar, so it's not going to be included in um, in the sugars uh, table. It's just an inert ingredient that's just going to offer more sweetness. Mm. Yeah. Look, I think 
Some of this really does come back to the concept of greenwashing, which we often talk about on the show. So I think it's quite easy for a company and its supporters to be able to rationalize every ingredient. So we're now we're no doubt going to get emails with all that information countering what we've discussed, but you know, we've got to really understand the ingredients and it's just we don't want to be tricked into buying something, you know, further down the line, we see lactobacillus acidophilus. So now we're going to be making probiotic claims. We've got no idea about where it comes from, if it's still alive after the heat treating process, how many colony forming units they are, like just these sort of token amounts of ingredients to make a product look really healthy is, is not real food. And it's really quite, like you said, another lie. We've really got to understand to make sure we're not falling victim to something that's masquerading as real food when it's completely the opposite of that. Uh, Yeah, 100%, 100%. So moving on to the next ingredient, Steph, it says sunflower oil. And I think both you and I and maybe our friend Cindy O'Meara would have similar sorts of ideas in around this here. My my cranberries from my forage product um, were soaked well, not soaked, but rolled in sunflower oil to stop them from sticking. Um, and that, in fact, became a sticking point as to the reason why Cindy didn't want to have forage on her shop is because she's so anti-sunflower oil. It's, it's not funny. And so I then went to try and find out more about what you know what's the deal with sunflower oil. And um, depending on where the sunflower oil comes from, whether it's you know good quality or cheap or whatever else, um, that that could determine you know whether it's good or bad for you. But both you and I would agree that a small amount of omega six fatty acids in your diet is actually fine. Um, and in this case, maybe the sunflower oil might be okay, but we don't know where its origin is. So we don't know whether or not it's good quality sunflower oil or it's heat extracted or chemical extracted sunflower oil. We, we don't know. It just says sunflower oil, and that makes it sound nice. Yeah, again, not knowing the source is a real issue. Um, And, of course, we know that it's the ratio of omega-3 to omega-6 that we've got to really understand. So while I don't have an issue with a small amount of, say, expeller-pressed sunflower oil in a diet that's really rich in omega-3, like a Mediterranean-style template, um, we really don't want to be relying on, yeah, chemically extracted oils, especially when they're omega-6 because they'll be downright rancid and that's the whole inflammation cascade that we've got to be avoiding. Um, yeah. So, yeah, I, I don't love the use of this ingredient without any understanding as to how they got the oil out of the sunflower seed. <laughs> <laughs> no, exactly. Uh, it then goes on to say the next ingredient, and we've got to be talking really small amounts here, is natural flavours. Mm-hmm. So my concern at this point is that the fact that we're now at this really small quantity What's the rest of it made up from? Where's all this weight come from? Is it just a filler? Is it something else that they've got in there? Is there just some kind of stuff? I don't know what, what it is, but I don't know where the rest of the weight comes from because when you look at all of the rest of this here, it must be relatively small in terms of what's in there. So a natural flavor, Steph, can you explain to me what that might be? Oh, gosh. <laughs> I think it's really definitely going to be another potential brainwash or, or greenwashing term. Um, I'd actually really love to know what they've used to, to define as natural flavors in this product because I can't find any specific information online as to what they use. 
Um, but it could definitely be quite refined in terms of how it's processed. And that's the issue I've got with this whole product. So we really need so, to understand yeah. more about where it's coming from. Well, what I do know is that in Australia, um, what we've got with natural flavors, most of them come from a company or companies like uh, Flavor Makers, and they use chemicals um, that come from petrol. Um, I, and this is not a bad thing because we all think that petrol is, is, you know, devilish. But it's not something. It's certainly, it's not something that we should be consuming. But this is where it'll come from. So, these natural flavors are designed to taste like the natural product that it w- would be. So then, it's not a naturally occurring flavor; it's a natural flavor. So it tastes like something that was natural or is natural. So that's what it is. It's a play on words. It's the order of the words in, in that sentence. Um, it, they're not real flavors. So it's not like you've dropped a banana in there or you've dropped in you know, some cocoa beans uh, or cacao beans. It's not like you've done that. You've actually got a chemical that tastes like something that's natural. That's what natural flavor is. That concerns me. Yeah, and they come from plants or animals, um, but how they extracted, again, that's the unknown and that's where I'd love to learn more about. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. (laughs) I know. Look, I'm looking forward to the emails that should flood in um, about this um, because we're not very far down. Oh, well, I am because if they can provide some clarity on it um, and not just, you know, um, media or marketing babble, then it might make me feel a bit better about people using these particular products. But um, just to be on the defence because the company says so um, is is kind of, you know, it doesn't really cut it for me. So then I see something that's really familiar and I'm really excited about. It's olive oil. Um, I think it's really great to see olive oil there. The only thing we don't know about this olive oil is whether it's extra virgin olive oil or whether it's um, virgin olive oil or whether it's just standard olive oil that's been heat extracted. What do you reckon? My suspicion my suspicion is that it's further down the track. I'm thinking because it's not called out to be extra virgin olive oil or virgin olive oil, that it's possibly what might be seen in the supermarkets as light olive oil, which means that it's been heat pressed or heat extracted, but potentially maybe chemical extracted as well, um, You know, using different chemicals to, to get the oil to separate from the olives themselves and the, and the plant matter, um, in which case... It, it may have some omega-6 fatty acids in it. It may not have much omega-6 fatty acid in it, um, but it's certainly not of pure quality and it's certainly not of any real health benefit. That's what, that's the where I'm going with that one. Yeah, I think unfortunately in products like this, to make them a cost-effective meal replacement and to have people drinking them two, three, four times a day, um, they're going to have to be affordable. So unfortunately quality then is sacrificed the next ingredient thickener 415 is xanthan gum that's going to be corn derived in a product that's otherwise gluten-free which is i believe on their label these days anyway um okay. and yeah like that. we've bit got of, a bit of xanthan gum yeah that's that's all right xanthan gum you know but just as a thickener there's no health benefit to no, it as far no as health. i know Mm. I don't think it's one of those gums that's going to help your bacteria in your gut manufacture short-chain fatty acids. I don't think it's going to be that. But let's say that maybe it does, just for the benefit of the doubt. Maybe maybe it helps with short-chain fatty acid production. It's just that the science doesn't tell us that it does. Um, the manufacturers of xanthan gum don't tell us that it does. 
And there's no evidence anywhere to tell us that it actually helps the manufacturing of um, short chain fatty acids in the gut. So, but we could say that maybe it does just as a benefit of the doubt, but nothing else would support that. I'm, I'm being a bit facetious, but let's just say that maybe it has a health benefit. Well, I think in this case, it's used as the, the filler to help with the, you know, the feelings <laughs> of fullness, which by yeah. gosh, there's some psyllium in there as well, which I'd like as an ingredient, but of course it's going to have to have these more fibrous water absorbing ingredients because you're asking someone to have this for their entire meal. And so that yeah. feeling of fullness, that ability to absorb water in the gut can at least convince us that we're not actually hungry or quite literally starving from you know, lack of quality nutrients, um, yeah. especially I'm not talking about just consuming one shake when you're doing it for an extended period of time, which is often what it's recommended, um, especially in that lean sense for someone that's doing it for their weight loss approach. Totally, totally. So now we get down to an ingredient that looks familiar. Again, flaxseed, but this is flaxseed powder. <sighs> Steph, I don't, look, it's an oily seed, right? So we notoriously over the years have used flaxseed as an oil um, or as something that we might add to our salads as a, you know, a very healthy seed. It's good for the skin. Um, it does contain omega-3, 6, and 9 fatty acids um, in plant form. So there's been... Um, people speak about the benefits of flax omega-3 for you know eons but there's the jury's out in terms of how effective the omega-3 is in flaxseed let alone flaxseed powder now i suspect that given that this is a dry product that this powder will have had to have gone through some kind of manufacturing process to ensure that all of the moisture is removed so that we don't get mold in the product um so there's to me, it seems that it's not going to contain much undenatured omega-3, 6, and 9. That's what I'm feeling. in this. That's just an assumption, but this is what I'm thinking. Mm, interesting. Look, there is a very long ingredient list, <laughs> so I think we might um, leave it there unless you wanted to comment about the specific sort of quote-unquote nutrients that are added from there. Yeah, I could, I'll do it really quickly. I've been, you know, reasonably facetious enough, but I think you can kind of <laughs> see where I'm coming at from, from this. All of any minerals that are in there will come from the ground. There's no doubt about it. So that's totally fine. It's not going to come from a plant source, it'll come from the ground. So if, you've, if you're mining gold or you're mining phosphorus or you're mining, mining potassium or you're mining calcium or whatever else, it's going to come somewhere from there. It could come, like calcium phosphate could come from um, seashells being ground down, or it, it might come from um, bovine, you know, ground up, you know, bones from cows in the slaughterhouse, whatever. Um, that's where that could come from. But then when we go all the way through there, there's something called medium chain triglyceride oil powder. Um, again, we've got a wet product that's been converted to a powder um, that has to go through a process. Then we keep on going all the way down. We've got some vitamin C, acidity regulators, vitamin C, that's 332. Um, that's that's okay, um, but again, we're talking very very small amounts. Alfalfa leaf, very very small amounts. Magnesium stearate, very very small amounts. We're talking small amounts. Then we get to psyllium seed powder. It's almost now at a token amount, so it's it's not that much. Natural sweetener, uh, nine sixty stevia, um, and so we've got another sweetener in there for whatever reason. That's three hundred times sweeter than sugar in the taste buds, but not in terms of its glycemic load. And then we get to cinnamon powder. Then we get some ferrous lactate, which is um, iron from cow's milk. Um, I don't think that's ideal. And then iodine uh, from kelp, which is great. Um, some B vitamins, uh, which we know come from petrochemicals, again. 
Um, wild jam, that's a nice little token in there, but it won't be doing much because there's not much there. But we get right down, as you said before, lactobacillus acidophilus. It's not strain specific. We don't know what strains in there. It could just be, you know, something that's you know growing on the side of cheese. We we don't know what strain that is, how many CFUs there are, and whether or not it's any of any benefit. If we get down to the bottom, it says folic acid. Now, for those people who have been concerned about MTHFR through the years, um, you know, this folic acid may or may not be of benefit to you. So it's just another thing to consider. Um, but the bulk of this product um, is highly manufactured and highly refined. Um, it doesn't resemble um, any food product that you would find naturally occurring um, in our environment. Just no, it's not the same as folate from dark leafy green vegetables, just to clarify. <laughs> Yeah, it comes from comes from the petrochemicals. Mm. Yeah, it comes from petrochemical industry again. Um, and I don't want to pull down the petrochemical industry. Um, however, it's good to know where things are coming from. You know, just because it's called a vitamin or just because it's called a mineral um, doesn't necessarily mean that it's um, natural and safe. Um, it it still is classified as natural because it's a vitamin or a mineral, but it comes from something that's highly refined. In this case, petrochemicals. Yeah. Again, like I think it's really important that we understand labels and it's really interesting to learn about where things come from but also to understand how they got there in the first place. You know, it's a continuation of our discussion that we just we really have to step away from these quick fixes and and so-called sort of magic solutions to either, you know, lose weight or suppress our appetite. I think that you know, it's pretty clear that you and I both believe in really sustainable long-term approaches that are founded around real food. And we've just got to really educate ourselves to, I think the magic pill to health is actually learning how to cook and getting in the kitchen, quite truthfully. Agreed. Yeah, I agree with you 100%. And Steph, the other thing is too that whilst we've picked on this particular product, this is not unlike any other product that's out there that disguises itself as a meal replacement so please you know take this information and use it and apply it to all other meal replacements the job is to biohack the body to make it think that it's receiving something that's real um but something that's real would grow on trees would have been you know swimming walking or flying just recently um or grows underground so i think you've got to be considerate of where it actually comes from and and this here you will never ever find growing in nature Mm. Yeah, beautiful summary. And I think make a smoothie. Like you can you can keep your sugars well under 8% if you make a, sh- a smoothie properly and then you can include quality protein, you know, probably from a plant source to avoid all of the issues that come from whey protein. And then, of course, you can really include beautiful quality fats that have been, that are, you know, in their natural source. Yeah, absolutely. Real fats. <laughs> we like that steph thank you for having me on today you're very welcome i think it's a little can of worms that we have sort of started to discuss around like the fads around fat loss um but i'd Mm -hmm. love for our listeners to let us know if there's any other topics they want us to explore within the topic of fat loss fads um or other products we can definitely dive in a little bit deeper um and you know do our best to get as much information as we can when the websites are otherwise a little bit misleading Mm, or just not really sharing all of the information. Yeah. I think it's got to be about transparency um, and companies Mm -hmm. that are transparent with their ingredients are the ones that you want to be supporting. I agree. I agree with you, Steph. Great way to finish it. Great way to finish it. 
Awesome, Damo. Thanks for your time today. And we will speak to you again very soon. Thank you so much, Steph. See you. Take care. Thank you so much for listening, team. Make sure you dive into the show notes over at thenaturalnutritionist.com.au forward slash podcast. Now, before you go, can I ask you a favor? I'd be so grateful if you would leave me a five-star review on iTunes. I personally read every review and comment and love hearing your aha moments and takeaways from each episode. Together, we can continue to spread the real food love. See you next time on The Real Food Real. This has been a production of thewellnesscouch.com. Check us out on Facebook and join in the conversation on facebook.com forward slash thewellnesscouch. Subscribe to each show on iTunes and check us out on Twitter. The Wellness Couch, streaming wellness into your lives. Whilst the Wellness Couch presenter endeavor to provide accurate and helpful information to their listeners, these podcasts cannot take into account individual circumstances and are not intended to be a substitute for health and medical advice from a qualified health professional. You should always seek the advice of a qualified health professional before acting on any of the information provided by any of the Wellness Couch podcasts.